The following is a presentation of Tomorrow's World. And greetings, friends around the world. This world is changing fast, and our Creator will soon send Jesus Christ back to this earth as King of Kings. Do you realize, my friends, that the inspired Bible pictures a massive religious festival of absolute rejoicing to occur soon after Christ's return? Picture in your mind the city of Jerusalem, and then picture millions of absolutely joyous human beings marching in Jerusalem in magnificent processions with colorful costumes, triumphant music, and electrifying enthusiasm. Millions of these people will have just been released from the concentration camps of the soon-coming beast power, as described in Revelation 17 and 18. They will be absolutely joyous and grateful to worship the real Jesus Christ who will be there in person. But why, my friends, why will these people come to Jerusalem from all over the world to observe this religious festival? Because it is part of God's master plan because Almighty God Himself has absolutely commanded that all human beings, we'll see this soon, all human beings observe this festival and come to truly understand God's master plan. Do you personally want to understand the master plan your very Creator is working out here on earth? Do you want your Creator's blessings and protection in the perilous years just ahead? Are you willing to be among those pioneers who are generally preparing for the soon-coming kingdom of God. Stay tuned. My friends, the entire world will soon be observing this religious festival I've just described. Your own Bible definitely says so. But why haven't you been told about this before? Because your Bible makes it very clear that the vast majority of all human beings have been deceived by Satan the devil. Go get your own Bible. I want you to check up on me. You have been fooled all too often by false religious ideas and teachings. So follow me and check up on me in your own Bible. Prove to yourself what the Bible actually says. Please turn in your Bible to Revelation 12, verse 9. Revelation 12, verse 9, talking about the time of the end very clearly here in this chapter. It says, and God inspired John to write, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So Satan the devil deceives the whole world, not part of the world. This world really is deceived. But when does your Bible say that everyone is going to observe a special religious festival? Hint, it's not Christmas or Easter, for they are never commanded or even mentioned in your Bible. Look it up. They're not talked about. God never tells you to observe those in your Bible. Think about what he does tell you in your Bible. What's the answer? Turn in your own Bible to Zechariah 14. And remember Jesus Christ and the apostles constantly referred to the Old Testament as Scripture. 
This is inspired scripture describing what's about to happen, and you'd better understand it and not say, well, it's in the Old Testament because it's there for our understanding, my friends. So turn to back here in Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 14, verse 1. Here he's talking about the time of the end and Christ's second coming. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city will be taken, the houses rivaled, the women ravished. Half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. When will this be? At times with just before Christ's coming. Then, verse 3, Zechariah 14, 3, then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle, and in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. Christ is coming again. His feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. It says in verse 9, The Lord, this is the Lord Jesus Christ, shall be king over all the earth. He's not up in heaven. He's here on this earth. In that day it shall be the Lord is one and his name is one. And then you pick up the story here in verse 16, and it shall come to pass that everyone, notice this, everyone who's left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. All the nations will keep the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of what? It's what God says. It's what God commands in the Bible, and most of you have not heard about it. And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the king, on them there will be no rain. God will get their attention. If the family of Egypt will not come up or enter in, they shall have no rain, and they shall receive the plague with which the Lord strikes the nations who do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. It doesn't say they come up to watch the Jews keep the, keep the Feast of Tabernacles. They come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. All nations are certainly representatives. All nations come to Jerusalem to obey God Almighty and the person of Jesus Christ of Nazareth who comes back as King of Kings. Many of you might be surprised because so-called mainstream Christianity teaches an entirely different set of religious ideas and religious festivals than God's own Word does. Think about it. What does the Bible actually say? The Bible never mentions the word Christmas, but Christmas pictures a helpless little Lord Jesus away in a manger, not the Christ of the Bible. Easter is the name of a pagan sex goddess and describes an ancient fertility festival. And that's why the Easter eggs are used and the sunrise services all connected with this pagan festival of fertility in the spring. But Jesus Christ and his disciples and the early church of God kept different holy days than many of you have ever heard of. These included the Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Yes, Jerusalem will soon be swarming with massive crowds of people joyously observing the Feast of Tabernacles. Will you be there? Notice this picture of our own living Church of God people in Jerusalem this past autumn as they happily observed the Feast of Tabernacles. And my friends, there will be beautiful lights at the time Christ comes back and it's kept them even better than we can do now by far. There will be beautiful lights. God is not against beautiful lights and music. There will be beautiful music, different types of folk dances and other kinds of dancing so that God's people can live it up in the right way as they rejoice before Christ himself as they keep this festival, the Feast of Tabernacles. At this point, my friends, I want to offer you absolutely free a copy of our inspiring booklet entitled The Holy Days, God's Master Plan. This is a wonderful booklet 
this truly eye-opening booklet will show you in rich detail how Jesus Christ kept the holy days we are talking about, how they were observed by the original apostles and by the early church of God. In this booklet, you will have biblical proofs and facts corroborating all of this in detail. This booklet, The Holy Days, God's Master Plan, will really make plain what the Bible says about God's true holy days, the days the entire world will soon be observing. So call us or write us today before you forget. Just ask for your free copy of our booklet on the holy days. That's all you need. To view the Tomorrow's World telecast or request today's free offer, visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org. And remember to find us on Facebook and be sure to follow us on Twitter. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World. Call now. Now back to our topic, my friends, God's master plan. Yes, the whole world will start observing God's commanded holy days right after Christ's return as King of Kings, as we've seen in, Re in Zechariah chapter 14. Please turn again to Zechariah 14 in your Bible. Zechariah 14, verse 18, it shows how the peoples of the whole world will have to come up and keep the Feast of Tabernacles. And verse 18, if the family of Egypt will not come up and enter in, they shall have no rain they will receive the plague with which the Lord strikes the nations, notice the nations of the world, who do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all the nations that do not come up to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. God will get their attention. Notice the Creator's response when people argue, resist, and refuse to observe God's holy days. Think about that. What does Christ say about all this? Luke 6, verse 46 gives you an idea of Christ's attitude toward people who try to worship Him but won't do what He says. Luke 6, notice what Jesus said. Luke 6, verse 46, He said, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Why do religious people call Christ Lord? Then they refuse to keep His holy days. They refuse to keep His weekly Sabbath day. They refuse to believe what His Bible actually says. Notice what the real Jesus, the Christ of the Bible, actually taught. Turn to Matthew now, the book of Matthew, and let's go to verse uh, chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15, beginning verse 1. It describes how the Pharisees were accusing Christ and His disciples of not keeping their traditions by not washing their hands in a certain way and so on. Jesus said, verse 3, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, Honor your father and mother. He who curses father and mother, let, let him die the death. But you say, Whatever you might have been profited from me has been dedicated to the temple. That person is released from honoring his father or mother. Thus, Jesus said, 
you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain, notice my friends, in vain they worship me. Yes, you can worship Christ in vain. You won't do what he says. You say, Lord, Lord, but you won't do what he says. A lot of these people who tried to overthrow the United States say, well, we're very patriotic. We love our nation. But then they go up and blow up buildings or try to kill officials or whatever. That's hypocritical. In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And that's what so-called Christianity has often done today. But does the Bible itself talk about other holy days in addition to the Feast of Tabernacles? Indeed it does, my friends. In fact, the New Testament itself started on one of God's true holy days, the day of Pentecost. Turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, and beginning in verse 1. And most of you who read the Bible at least should be familiar with this, Acts 2 and verse 1. Now when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Then suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then they appeared, they, uh, there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. It sat on them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. God's Spirit was poured out on one of the seven annual holy days. Remember, seven, seven is God's number of perfection or completion. God has sevens all the way through the Bible, seven days in the week, the seven, the seven last plagues and the seven spirits of God. All kinds of sevens are from one end of your Bible to the other. So this was part of the seven of God's holy days, and there are seven holy days or festivals that God has inspired in the Bible. Notice now Acts chapter 20, if you would. Turn to Acts chapter 20, and here you see that that Pentecost was not just to be observed that one time. It was observed all through the arrow through God's true uh, year, and by God's people all through human history. It was a day that was to be kept every year. Notice Acts 20 now and verse 16. It describes Paul's travels, for Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus on his trip so that he would not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hurrying to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. He was constantly observing God's holy days. And you'll find the true church of God was constantly observing the holy days of God. And the, the true church of God began on this day, the very day of Pentecost, because it was the beginning of a, of a time that God was using to signal part of his plan. So it was to be kept every year by God's people, as this scripture clearly indicates. Notice right across the page on Acts chapter 20, verse 6. Verse 6 while we're there, describes another of God's festivals. But we sailed away from Philippi, Luke writes, after the days of unleavened bread. People say, oh, that was Jewish. No, it was not Jewish. People are prejudiced against everything that's Jewish. They should not be. They should not be. Jesus said, salvation is of the Jews. Look it up in John chapter 4. God caused his Old Testament to be preserved, his laws to be preserved by the Jewish people. And God intended that. But these days were to be kept by the New Testament church, and here they were being kept in these Gentile cities. We sailed away from Philippi, a Gentile city, after the days of unleavened bread. 
Why did it say so? Because they were obviously keeping the days of unleavened bread, and in five days we came to Troas and so on. So the days of unleavened bread, a time God describes as one of the festivals of God, is, of course, to be observed by the New Testament church. Now notice 1 Corinthians chapter 5, if you would. 1 Corinthians, turn there in your Bible if you're following me. Check up on me. Follow me in your own Bible. You'll learn something you probably never heard before. This is in your Bible. It's been there all the time. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. He describes the first few verses here about how they had to put out this fornicator, in fact, a man who was having incestuous relations with his stepmother. And he says in verse 6, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 6, your glorying is not good. And here's a Gentile church, a very pagan city of, first of Corinthians, the second city of Diana, worship in the whole empire. He says, your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? You women know that leaven tends to spread through the bread. Sin tends to spread through the church if it's not put out. Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you are truly unleavened. For indeed, Christ our Passover, the Passover had just been observed when Paul was writing this, frankly. So he talks about Christ being our Passover. You'll find throughout the New Testament they did observe the Passover, another one of God's festivals, another one of his seven festivals. Christ is our Passover was sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep a New Testament command. Let us keep the feast. What feast? Well, all Bible scholars know, many even Protestant commentaries admit he's talking about the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which comes right after Passover. Let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, with leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So here's a New Testament command to keep the days of unleavened bread. And of course, the true Passover was just observed before unleavened bread. Notice 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11 now, and turn there, if you would, to verse 23. 1 Corinthians 11, and we'll begin reading here in verse 23. Here he says, uh, and Paul is describing how Christ taught him about uh, these days. He says in verse 23, For I received from the Lord that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. So Christ was in introducing the Passover, the New Testament Passover. The world calls it Lord's Supper. And they observed the supper in the morning. No, the supper should not be observed in the morning. It was the Passover. He took bread and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body. The broken bread symbolized his broken body to pay for our physical sins and mistakes that we could be healed. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup, the cup of red wine, after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. It doesn't say you're to drink it whenever you want to. God gave this festival of the Passover to be observed every year and Christ kept it on the night before he was crucified. That tells you when to do it. We know the Jews were keeping it the next day, but Christ kept it the previous night. That's when Christ kept the Passover on the night before he was crucified. So the true meaning of the Passover, of course, is to picture the death of Jesus Christ, his shed blood in our stead. As the Passover lamb had its throat split, Christ had his blood poured out. But my friends, as Jesus warned, 
carnal men really did substitute traditions of men for the laws of God. You need to understand, why hasn't your church been teaching you these basic things about Passover, Pentecost, the Days of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Bible talks about over and over. You need to prove these vital issues for yourself. To help you do just that, be sure and write us or call us right away and request your free copy of our vital booklet entitled The Holy Days, God's Master Plan. Don't just take our word for it. Check out and prove for yourself the biblical and historical references we give you in this truly eye-opening booklet. This powerful booklet, The Holy Days, God's Master Plan, is fully documented. It will give you far more biblical and historical proofs on this topic than I can possibly do in this brief program. So call now. Request your free copy. Just ask for a booklet on the Holy Days. That's all you need. To view the Tomorrow's World telecast or request today's free offer, visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org. And remember to find us on Facebook and be sure to follow us on Twitter. This offer you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World. Call now. Now back to our topic on God's master plan. We have seen, my friends, how the whole world will observe God's Feast of Tabernacles soon after Christ's coming. Millions of people, we can be pioneers by observing it today if we're willing. We have seen how the Apostle Paul and the early Christians kept the Passover and the Days of Unleavened Bread. Another interesting example of the Apostle Paul's practice is found in Acts 27, verse 9. If you have your Bible, turn there. Acts 27, verse 9. Here was Paul as a Roman prisoner out in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, not preaching to Jews. He was out as a prisoner and by the Romans. Verse 9, Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast, and even Protestant commentaries often mention this fast must have been the feast or the Day of Atonement, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, the fast was already passed. Paul addressed them. So here was Paul out in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, and Luke indicates they were undoubtedly observing, which they always did, God's seven annual holy days. They were observing the feast, or not the feast in this case, but the Day of Atonement, when people fasted to show how they needed to get close to God. This is an important part of God's plan, the Day of Atonement. Christ was observing that out in the middle, or Paul was observing that out in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. Christ himself said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. The only written word of God extant at that time was what we call the Old Testament. So although the animal sacrifices and washings God gave ancient Israel are clearly done away under the new covenant, the weekly and annual Sabbaths God gave were to be kept forever. And the inspired example of Christ and the New Testament church demonstrates this clearly. 
Remember, my friends, that the Old Testament is constantly referred to as Scripture by Jesus Christ himself and the apostles. So the only listing, in a sense, just a whole list of all of God's seven annual holy days or feasts is found in Leviticus 23. Look there and you will see that. We don't observe those offerings or sacrifices, but they're all mentioned right there. You will read there that God commanded people to observe seven annual religious festivals. First, the Passover, picturing Christ's shed blood on our behalf. Our reconciliation to God through the shed blood of Jesus, the Savior. Number two, the days of unleavened bread, which picture putting leaven out, a type of sin, growing in grace and knowledge after work except Christ. Thirdly, Pentecost, the outpouring of God's Spirit, God's blessing on His first harvest. Four, the Feast of Trumpets, a time of trumpets picturing war, the time of chaos, just at the time of the end. We're entering that time now just before Christ's coming. Number five, the Day of Atonement, picturing the putting away of Satan, who had his part in our sin and fasting at a time how to show us how we've got to really be totally close to God. Number six, the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Ingathering, it's called, the great fall harvest when God sets his hand to save the whole world. And finally, the last great day, as we call it, a time when God will give every human being an opportunity for salvation who has never known the truth. Altogether, these seven inspired festivals picture the master plan which God himself is working out among his people. It's a magnificent plan. The real meaning of God's last great day is absolutely awesome. No other churches understand this remotely about what happens when little children die, when millions of Jewish people are exterminated in the Holocaust, when multiple thousands of other innocent people are suddenly cut off by titanic sinkings and so on. Thank God for his master plan. Again, to give you more detailed and historical proof as to why all Christians should observe God's annual festivals and how the entire world will be doing so, be sure to call us or write us today and request your free copy of this absolutely inspiring booklet on God's holy days. God's holy days. Call now. And tune in every week, my friends, to Tomorrow's World program. On this program, you will gain precious information and insights available nowhere else. Richard Ames and I will give you understanding of current events and of the exciting prophecies of tomorrow's world. We'll also invite you to join our fellow presenters, Wallace Smith and Rod King, who will give you special perspective and insight on vital biblical topics. So be sure to join us again next week right here at this same time. See you right here next week. To view the Tomorrow's World telecast or request today's free offer, visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org. And remember to find us on Facebook and be sure to follow us on Twitter. This offer you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World. Call now.
to view the Tomorrow's World telecast or request today's free offer, visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org. And remember to find us on Facebook and be sure to follow us on Twitter. The preceding program is produced by the Living Church of God.